So welcome, everyone, to this session. Uh, we're introducing AWS Cloud9. My name is Ruben Daniels, and I'm the senior manager of uh, AWS Cloud9. I was previously founder and CEO of Cloud9 prior to the acquisition. With me today is Nikolai Onken. He's the engineering manager of uh, Cloud9. He will be doing the, the demonstration of, uh, of AWS Cloud9 later on. Thanks, Hi, everybody. Everyone. Thank you. I'll see you later. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> All right, so um, before the demo, we'll, we'll start with talking about the three pillars of software development. And why did we build a new IDE? And what are really the benefits of AWS Cloud9? Then there will be the demo, and we'll talk a little bit about region availability, and then there will be enough time for questions and answers um, at the end of the session. So let's dive in. So there are really, indeed, three pillars of software development. And there's run, release, and create. And when it comes to running your application in the cloud, this is something that AWS has done since its inception. Right? Uh, there's Compute, Amazon EC2, the newly released Fargate that I'm really excited about, uh, Amazon ECS, Lambda, and many other services. For storage, there's Aurora, S3, RDS, and again, many other services. And of course, there's networking, monitoring, and really all the building blocks that you need to run your application in the cloud. Um, and then there's releasing. And we all know as developers that releasing is a, is a really complex process. We want to iterate quickly on our software, get it fast to market. And we want to make sure that, that we can orchestrate and really do everything that we need. And over the past two years, Amazon has released and AWS has released a few services that help with that. And there's AWS Code Commit, which is really your code repository in the cloud. Then there's AWS Code Build, which is your fully managed code build service in the cloud. Uh, AWS Code Deploy, which builds and deploys applications to AWS. And to glue this all together, there's AWS Code Pipeline. And earlier this year, we released AWS Code Star, which is a super easy way to get started and set up your CI and delivery pipeline um, within minutes. Um, so that's, that's for release, and that, that's great, but we know that developers spend most of their time um, writing and testing code. They're in the create phase. And up until now, AWS didn't have a solution for that. But as you've seen in the keynote this morning, Werner announced the release of AWS Cloud9. And we're really proud to bring this to the world under the AWS flag. And I want to talk a little bit about why we created a new IDE. And, and this really comes down to you know, moving development uh, to the cloud and making lives for developers easier. Now, a lot of you develop for the cloud, but using local machines. And that has some drawbacks, right? You have to rely on your local machine's hardware and configuration, your operating system, the hardware itself, and so on. And that means that there are changes, there are differences with um, the production environment, but usually also between colleagues even, and so on. That makes it prone to bugs and just harder to manage. Uh, it's hard to multitask as well on various projects. Um, we know from, from, from research and talking to customers that uh, many people develop multiple things at the same time. And so having multiple stacks on your computer means you have to really recreate the cloud on your local machine. You have to install virtual machines and so on, or use Docker to, to set that up. And it's also difficult to work from multiple locations. Uh, you might not have your laptop with you, um, and you might even you know, 
lose your laptop, God forbid, sometimes that happens, and then you have to start all over again. Now, this is the pain of, of local, uh, local development. Um, there's also, you know, it's, it's also just very, very hard and cumbersome to set up a development environment. You have to install the IDE and the plugins, uh, configure the stack, and then, of course, make sure that it matches with your production environment. And you have to do all of that before you can actually start writing code. Um, it costs time, it costs energy, just a lot of effort. And really what we want to do is we want to build applications and we want to write the code. And the thing is that you don't do this once, but you do this for each and every project that you're working on. So it's, it's, it's costing more time and more energy, more effort to do that, and that's just for you. But you're in the team, and each and every of your team members is doing that as well. So a, a big waste, a, a big yeah, time spent on things that are not really necessary, we believe. Um, and of course, you know, the modern developers really work together. You work in, in teams. Uh, a lot of you are practicing uh, pair programming, um, obviously helping people out with, with issues in their code and so on. And doing that um, by looking over each other's shoulders at the same screen is just not uh, good enough. Right? You want to touch the keyboard um, with multiple people at the same time. And of course, we have solutions like Git and your favorite IM client uh, that help with collaborating with people even if they're remote. But it doesn't help with collaborating real time and doing that pair programming um, in, your, uh, in your IDE. And of course, then there's serverless application development. And this is really a, a paradigm shift in the way that applications are built. Right, serverless allows you to glue together the different parts of the cloud. Uh, not only the cloud, but also a lot of IoT services. And um, it allows you to no longer have to worry or care about uh, servers and so on. Um, so it is really a paradigm shift, but IDEs haven't caught up to that. They don't provide the tools to make it easy to develop a Lambda applications and Lambda-based uh, functions and so on. So, with that, I want to introduce AWS Cloud9 and talk a little bit about how it's different and what the benefits are. AWS Cloud9 allows you to code with just a browser. And that is really, really a different way of developing because you are now freed from the machine that you're using. You can log in anywhere and have the same setup, the same user interface pop up with the same machine in the backend. So that means that anywhere you are, you can code, you can fix issues, you can have access to that system. Um, you no longer have a problem if you lose your laptop or if you don't have it with you. Um, furthermore, it's very easy to uh, start a new project, right? This entire stack of things that you have to do for each project that you work on, you no longer have to do. The only thing that you really need to do is create a new environment. And that environment comes pre-installed with all the tools um, that, that you may need. Think about you know, Git, your favorite runtimes, and so on. And, uh, and you can configure that as well, build an AMI, and in the future, you'll be able to create your, uh, your project based on that AMI as well. Um, and of course, you can code together in real time. So you see each other's cursors, you see each other's selections, and you're able to, to work together, not only on the code, but on your machine. Right? You may have the problem sometimes where you have a, an issue, a bug, that's only on your machine and not on somebody else's. Uh, what do you do? Well, with Cloud9, you can invite somebody to your workspace, to your environment, 
and they're able to, um, to access your machine and see exactly what's happening in your environment. Um, and of course, serverless application development. We really set out to make AWS Cloud9 the best way to develop serverless applications and make it intuitive. Make it straightforward and um, make it comparable to developing for any other platform. And so if you want to you know, import or, um, or edit your Lambda um, function, if you want to debug it, run it, and eventually deploy it to the cloud, you can do all those things from AWS Cloud9. And uh, Nikolai will uh, show that in the demo, uh, how powerful that is. And lastly, there's direct terminal access to the AWS services. So um, uh, many of you have probably used the AWS CLI, and Cloud9 comes with the AWS CLI pre-installed, pre-authenticated, so the moment that your environment is created, you can start using it in the terminal, and it's ready for use. So with that, I want to invite Nikolai Onken back to stage to show us AWS Cloud9. Thank you, Evan. Thanks. Wow. I'm really, really happy to be here today. You don't know how hard the team has been working on uh, over the past months to get you to show Cloud9. And today, you're really one of the first group of people who can see Cloud9 in depth. And I'm going to give you a demo. So let me just uh, see if everything is set up properly. Give me just a second. All right, so I'm going to show you how Cloud9 works and really dive, dive more deeply into a bunch of examples. And let's start with where you actually land when, when you go to the console and when you want to start creating a Cloud9 environment. So you can discover Cloud9 by just going to the AWS console and searching for Cloud9, and it will show up. And we're currently available in five regions, so I'm going to pick Ireland, I'm actually already there. This is because some of the team is based in Amsterdam, and so the demo projects are created in Ireland. So what we're looking at right now is the Cloud9 dashboard, the, the Cloud9 console. And what you're seeing here is a list of all your environments. And I'm sure all of you really know the pains of developing different types of applications. I know it for myself. In the past, you would have one laptop and you would work on different projects for different customers. You would have different setups, different configurations, and then something would upgrade, and all of a sudden your setup doesn't work anymore. And so now here with Cloud9, you can really think of a Cloud9 environment almost as your own dedicated laptop. And so here you see I worked on a new project. I prepared a Cloud9 demo. I prepared yet another demo. And then I have the reInvent session. And so these are all dedicated environments. And we'll dive a little, more, a little bit more deeply into that in just a bit. But you can just consider that as a dedicated machine which you can work on. So let me head over here on the left to the shared with you section. And you see I don't have anything shared there yet. But what you usually see here is projects, environments which you have been invited to. So imagine that you have a collaboration session with someone and that person invited you into their environment you would see that here. So you can easily just access everything and all the environments you're collaborating on. Now let's, have, let's head over here to the, uh, to the account environment section. 
And this is really interesting for administrators. Imagine that you are a team of 20 developers and everybody has access to Cloud9 and they're all working on their own environments. They have their projects and customer projects. And here as an administrator, you can see everybody's environments and work with them, update them, and just control access. So let's head over and create a new Cloud9 environment. You see here we have the button on the top right. We'll hit that. Let me just zoom out a little bit here. So the process starts with just giving your environment a name. So let's give it a name. And a description. And then you just hit next. And this is really where it's getting interesting. So Cloud9 today supports two environment types. The first one, EC2, and I'll get to that in just a bit, and the second one, SSH. SSH is really, really useful if you already have an EC2 instance or any other cloud provider's instance which you would like to connect to. So you don't have to actually set up anything. You can connect Cloud9 to an existing environment, to an existing machine, and just start coding. So if you select that here, all you have to do is enter the username you want to use to connect the host, and then put the public SSH key onto the authorized host file in your machine. And then you can just hit next and Cloud9 connects to that environment. We won't be doing that today uh, because I will be showing you the EC2 flow. And so let's just go there. The first thing you can, you can do is pick your instance, um, instance size. And what we're doing is we're creating an EC2 instance in your account. So we picked three instance types which are just very useful for generic development. They just work very well. But if you want to pick a different instance for a different workload, you need more compute, you can, just, you can just do that here. For the purpose of the demo, we're just going to pick the T2 small and now head over to the cost saving settings. So I'm sure we all really, really love coding, but we're not coding 24-7. And so Cloud9 helps you save cost. We automatically, if you configure it, we automatically shut down your environment after you stopped coding, after 30 minutes, for, for instance. And so just imagine you end coding at 6 p.m. Um, at 6.30, the instance would be shut down. And then once you return in the morning at 9, we would start the instance up again, and you can just resume your work. And so this is very useful for cost saving. And you see here, you can pick a bunch of, of options. You can also do it after one hour if you have a, I don't know, a demo or after a day or after a week. We'll pick 30 minutes here in this, in this example. And then for advanced usage, you can also configure the VPC. So Cloud9 can connect to an instance in a secure VPC. We'll go ahead with the defaults for now, and I'm just going to hit next. And so here we now just see a confirmation screen. We can review all the things we just decided to do, and I'm going to hit create environment. So let me tell you a little bit more about what happens actually behind the scenes. So we just created a new environment. You see it's in the process of doing that. We're firing up a CloudFormation stack for you. So let me just show that to you and head over to CloudFormation. So here you see the stack name AWS Cloud9 reInvent Demo 2. And you see the creation is in progress. So what we're doing is we're starting the CloudFormation stack, we're setting up an EC2 security group, and then we're creating the EC2 instance. 
So let's also head briefly to the EC2 console to just see the instance over there. And you see it here. So this is a full EC2 instance in your account. You obviously have root access um, and full control. Um, and, and so we're now done with provisioning this instance here. You have an IP you can connect to. And so let's head over back to Cloud9. So you see the environment has been created. And this is the landing, the landing screen you get once you use Cloud9 for the first time. So there are a couple of you know, getting started links. You can start with Lambda easily. But I'm, I'm just going to show you the, the IDE a little bit. You see here at the bottom the terminal. And so you have full access to the machine via the, via the terminal here. And so running any kind of commands just works. You see how fast it is. And as I showed earlier, we're actually connecting to an instance in Ireland. So um, I, can, I can type. Oh. Ah. And just work with, with my environment. You have panels. So it's, it, it's going to feel really, really familiar to you using an, an IDE every day. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to head over to GitHub and clone a Git repo. So I'm heading down here to the terminal and cloning the repo. And again, you see it's, it's really blazing, blazing fast. So you see the terminal here. On the left, you have your file tree. So you can just browse your project as you're used to. And I want to show you some of the language features of Cloud9. So I, I opened up a very, very basic JavaScript file. And you already see there's a little eye icon here. So we have code hinting. Bar is defined but never used. So why don't we just go ahead and use it? And you see the code hint goes away. There's another one here, missing semicolon. So let's just fix that as well. And there's a one, another one here. Yet another semicolon missed. Cloud9 comes with auto-completion. So I can just go through all the properties here with inline docs and auto-complete. The next thing you usually do is you want to run the file and execute it. So we have a built-in runner. See at the top the green run icon? So I'm just going to click that. And you see down here, we just ran that, that simple node app, and it's, it's consoling one, two, three, just as expected. Let me show you another example, a very, very basic Ruby script here. And so again, code hinting. I can just introduce a mistake. And you see here, syntax error. So let's just fix that again. And again, I'm just going to hit run to, to execute this example. And you see here to the right, we have a list of runners. So depending on what, on what kind of program you write, you can pick the associated runner and execute that program. So here we now detected that this is Ruby. So we're using the Ruby runner and then just executing this program. The last example I'm going to give here is a very basic PHP file. And so again, if I hit run here, we'll actually see something else. You see we're trying to start this with a built-in web server. So you can just serve this with this built-in web server. In our case, we want to actually just run this with the CLI. So I'm opening the runner menu here, selecting PHP CLI, restarting, and now it's executing. 
So let's have a look at the settings. Cloud9 is fully configurable, so you can really make it fit your day-to-day -day coding needs. I'm not going to go through all of the configurations you can, you can apply. But for, for example, here you see stop my environment after 30 minutes. Let me just maybe zoom in a little bit again. You can have settings, tabs, spaces. You can strip white spaces on safe. You know, everything you just used to and, and, and what you need during your day-to-day your -day development. Cloud9 comes with different themes, so I'm just going to scroll down here to the themes. Let's have a look at the classic theme. And go back to the flat theme. And again, this is running in the browser, so you could even style it with CSS yourself if you don't like, if you don't like this theme and want to adjust a couple of things. Let me show you another thing. And that really speaks again to the speed of an environment, of, of an IDE running in the cloud. So search. I'm now finding, I'm, I'm searching for something in all the files. So let's see, let's just search for console. And this is how fast it is. Again, this instance is in Ireland, and it took milliseconds for us to get this result here, and you see, we found the console log I just put in there earlier, and now I can work with this. The next thing I want to show you, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that many of you know the pains of Lambda development, and I'm really, really happy to show you how you can write serverless functions using Cloud9. So let's open up the resources panel here to the right, and you see um, there's two items here, local functions and remote functions. So I haven't yet created anything locally, so it's empty. I have a couple of remote functions, and we'll look at that later, but really what I want to do now is I want to create a new Lambda function and just work with that a little bit and see if I can get that to run. So I just clicked that, let me just show you again, this button here to create a new, new Lambda function. And so we give it a name. So let's call it reInvent Demo, and the application name will be Demo App. For the sake of this demo, I'm just going to pick the empty Node.js example here. And you, you, you have a selection of many, many templates you can pick, but uh, for today, let's just stick to the Node.js example. You can specify a function trigger, so if you want to invoke the function using API Gateway, you can select it there. We'll have a look at that in just a bit, so we just leave, leave this setting to none. I'm hitting next. You can specify the memory um, provided to the Lambda function, and then the role, or have us automatically create the role. And so I'm hitting next here and just looking at the confirmation screen and then finish. And you see, in just a couple of seconds, I have my Lambda function here open in the IDE, and now I can start coding. And so why don't we just go, go ahead and, 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 and uh, work a little bit here? So the first thing you usually want to do is you want to run it. And just imagine again how, how involved it usually is to get to a state where you can just run your Lambda locally. And so again, I can just go to the Lambda function here to the right, reInvent Demo. I hit the Run button, 
Let me just make a little bit more space. And actually, while I'm creating a bit more space, you'll see how, how powerful Cloud9's windowing functionality is. So I can just drag and drop windows around and just make it to work as I like. And so what I just did is I, I clicked on the Run button for the Lambda function, and this new, pan, this new window here, this new tab opened up. And you see, let me just move that here, because we also want to look at the, at the code. You see that I'm now about to test the Lambda function we just created here. And so let's just go ahead and hit Run. Let me move it here again. Oh, something. Let's see. Hmm? Yeah. Ah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not used to such a small screen. So um, that's good. So I just hit the Run button. Um, and you see here down there, we have the execution results. And the response is null, just really ex as, as we expect it to be, because the callback doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't return anything. And so let's just provide a payload. And let's guess. And this is something I definitely have wondered many times in the past. Um, what, actually, what actually is passed into the event? How does it look like? Or what's the context? And then you kind of you know, look up the documentation and try to figure that out. And so um, you see I passed the payload and uh, you know, put the event here into the, into the callback, but it's not, really, it's not really working as I expected it to work. So why don't we just set a breakpoint and try to debug this Lambda function? So you saw here I set the breakpoint. Um, I, I activated the debugger by clicking on this little bug icon here. And so now we started execution of the Lambda function and we hit that breakpoint. And so, you know, to my question, what does this event object actually look like? Let's just hover over it. And now we can, we can inspect it. <laughs> Thank you. And so, let me just show you that just a little more. We have an immediate window, and here you can also just inspect how, for example, the context looks like. And again, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have to set up anything. It just worked. I spent literally, I think, I mean, no time at all at trying to get this thing to be set up. And so we still want to actually get this callback to return something useful. So. Um, let's just end execution here, and I think the callback actually expects an, expects an error first, so let's just do that again. Deactivate the debugger, and I, think I need to um, close this again, and now you see the execution result is the payload 123. So this just shows you how easy it is to develop and debug a Lambda function locally without having to set up anything. And as the next thing, you want to now, of course, deploy this function to production. And so I picked it here. I selected it. I hit this upload icon here. And what's happening now is we're deploying the Lambda function to production. And so 
as we've just executed this function locally, we also want to test it remotely. So here we have this little dropdown where you can select how you actually want to run your Lambda function. And so instead of Lambda local, I'm going to select Lambda remote. And so now when I hit run, I'm actually executing the Lambda function we just pushed online. And so you see how fast this development cycle is. It's really, really changing how you can write serverless code. So I want to show you something else. And let me just close a couple of tabs here, open up my environment again. And I built this fairly simple static website. So you see I just opened the index.html. And often you wonder, well, you know, now I'm building this static website. I would like to just preview it. But you don't really want to set up a server or like a, you know, you just want to see how it looks like. And so Cloud9 comes with a preview service. And so you can just hit the preview, preview button here to the top and select preview the index.html. And now we're seeing this little demo I just built. And so what I built is a little demo which allows you to upload images to S3. And it works like this. So we have this index.html here, this static site. You have an image uploader. Um, before we upload it, we actually call a lander function, which returns a signed URL, which we can then use to upload this picture to S3. And so let me just show you that it works. I picked the Cloud9 logo. We just made a call to a lander function. It returned a signed URL. We then uploaded this, um, this, this logo to S3. And so this is the little app we're working on. And I want to dive in a little bit more deeply into how that actually all works. So let me, let me start with collaboration. I think I need some help. Um, because Cloud9 is an environment running in the cloud. And you can easily collaborate with other people if you have issues, if you need to pair program. And so I want to invite Ruben back to the stage. And we're going to try to make this demo even better. Thanks, Ruben. So Ruben is now logging into his Cloud9 console. And I added Ruben to the account I'm working from. And so it's super easy in Cloud9 to invite members to your environment. And you see this, there's two parts to it. Um, one is this panel here to the right where you see all your collaborators and also all the collaborators who are online or offline. And then the second is the share button here where you can actually invite people to your environment. And so I'm going to go down there here and invite Ruben. You can select between giving read or read and write access. As we're obviously working on this application, Ruben needs to have read and write access. So I'm just going to hit invite here. And so this is something I th I'll just briefly explain. We'll get to the, to the CLI in just a bit. But as you, as you already have heard, Cloud9 comes with the AWS, pre, AWS CLI pre-installed, and also with credentials on the machine which allow you to make SDK calls. And so sometimes when you invite people into your environment, you don't want those people to have access to the credentials because, because that's just what you want. And so you can, you can configure that here, but Ruben is working with me on this, and we, we're just going to uh, go ahead here. So I'm just going to hit OK. And now Ruben got invited to the Cloud9 environment. So this flow is done. I'm going to close this dialog. You see now here, Ruben is in my list. 
And Ruben, the, the project is called reInvent Demo 2. So Ruben now is going to the Cloud9 console, looking at the shared section, which we've seen earlier. He sees the project, the environment there, and opens it up um, in the browser. And there he is. Incredible. So you see here at the top all the members which are currently online. And then as we're really far away, we need to chat right now. So um, <laughs> I need a little bit of help. <laughs> So I think we want to um, just make it look a little bit nicer. Let me just show you again and open up the demo. And how about we change the color of the upload image button here? So um, OK, and actually, you see already here, Ruben is now typing and changing some text, updating our little application here. You see his cursor. You can, ho you can hover over it um, and, and you know, just see what, what Ruben is doing in this case. And again, don't forget, this instance is running in Ireland. It's super fast, kind of, uh, kind of incredible. And so Ruben updated the text. Let's, let's head over to, the, um, to our preview. And there it is. The color changed, and we have a better text for the button. So let's just see if it still works. It still works. And maybe, Ruben, um, maybe, maybe you can show some of the multi-cursor features or. Sure. Look, so Ruben just very easily selected markup, changed it. So it's very, very powerful and super, super fast. So I think that concludes the collaboration session. Thanks a lot, Ruben. All right. go ahead and show you the other part of the demo, and that's the call to Lambda. And so, as you know, when you want to invoke a Lambda function over HTTP, you need to use API Gateway. And so I already pre prepared a little API gateway, gateway project, but you saw the wizard earlier. You can just do the same through the wizard, and you, you would be up and running in just a couple of minutes, even seconds. So I have here the Cloud9 demo uploader, which I'm going to download. And so now Cloud9 is asking me if I want to download this. Here we go. It's done. It's opening up the Lambda function. And here we are. There's a nice feature when you press Command, Shift, and L where it just opens the file here in the tree as well. So you know where we're kind of navigating. And so again, it's kind of hard to now run this and, and, and debug it. So with Cloud9, I have the, the Lambda function open here. I'm hitting Run. Let's clean up a little bit again. And now instead of Lambda, I'm picking API Gateway. And so you see here the function, the path, the method. I want to post to it the query string for get calls or other calls, and then the body you want to pass into the function. And let's just try to debug this a little bit. Let's take this out. Or maybe let's take it out all together and run this Lambda function locally using API Gateway. And I'm, I'm really, really sure that everybody of you knows this pain. So you, you're building something, you're using API Gateway, and then it doesn't really work, and you need to look at the logs, or you need to pull the logs and figure out what actually happens. And you see here, well, we got an internal server error, and that, that, that doesn't really help. Uh, so I'm just going to scroll down a little bit here, and you see here, ah, the error message is no content type specified. 
And if you look over here, well, this is actually what we expected. And so let's just specify the content type and run it again. Again, an error. So let's have a look what it says now. Oh, unexpected token. I didn't expect that. Let's see. Oh, invalid JSON. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Those bugs are the best. <laughs> like when you're actually fixing something else. But okay, we got it. Uh, this is the content type we wanted to test. So we're passing in content type one, two, three. And again, we're still getting internal, an, an internal ser server error, but at least it's giving us the, the, the message we, we, uh, we're expecting here, and so we need to pass actually image slash PNG. And so let's run it just one more time. And here we go, we have the response, and I can just run you really briefly you know, uh, through the code here. Here we're getting the signed URL from S3, and then we're just passing this back, um, back to the callback. And so, the last thing I want to show you of course we want to debug a local API gateway application as well. So what I just did again I set a breakpoint I activated the debugger here and this again also has been something in the past where I always wondered well you know how does this event object actually look like? What do we actually need to pass back to the callback so that it actually works? And so you can just you know, inspect the whole thing here, inspect the context, and then I can just step through the execution. Let's open up the immediate window again. Let's inspect params. You see it's exactly what we expected here. And you can just step through the code, and then it's done, and the execution succeeds. Let me close the terminal here. Oh, let me just run it one more time. And you see the API Gateway app returns what you expected. And so, again, I didn't have to set up anything. It just worked. And with just a couple of minutes, I could debug and build a local API Gateway app and just make sure that it runs. And again, of course, we want to upload this API Gateway, gateway app here um, and deploy it. So I'm just doing that now. And then you can pick API Gateway Remote. So we can now test if what we build actually works also in production. And so while this is actually still uploading, we know since I pulled it from remote, it's actually already deployed. So I can already execute it remotely. And you have your log, um, your log results, and it just works. So I mentioned this already earlier. Uh, let's see. Let's open up a new terminal. One of the pains um, and one of the things we spend a lot of time on is installing and configuring software, and in this case, also downloading the AWS CLI, going to the IAM console, getting credentials, storing them on your environment, and then all of a sudden you go to a different environment, and then it's not there anymore. And so Cloud9 comes with the CLI pre-installed, and I'm just going to show you that. So that's what it is right now. And um, let's just have a look at all the Lambda functions we have. Oh. And so again, it was super fast. I got now 
I use the CLI to just list all my Lambda functions. And so again, you don't have to configure anything. You can just use the CLI out of the box. And as I want to wrap up my simple static website, I'm actually going to go ahead and deploy this to, um, to S3. And since the, since the CLI is already installed and I'm not remembering the S3 sync uh, command, I'm copying it here. But this is now actually uploading the website to S3. And I can go ahead and actually access it here. And so this is not using the Cloud9 preview anymore. This is actually served by S3, talking to the production API gateway lander um, uh, program, which, which we just worked on. And um, it's working. It's uploading the picture and storing it on S3 and serving it. Thank you. And with that, that concludes the demo. I want to thank you all a lot for being here, and I'm going to hand it back to Ruben. Thanks, Nikolai. That was an thank awesome you. demo. <laughs> all right. So Cloud9 is available today. You simply go to aws.amazon.com slash cloud9 and try it out. We love to hear feedback, and we, we hope you really like the product, and um, we hope that we can in, evolve it together with you to suit all your needs. Now, Cloud9 is available in five different regions. We're on the West Coast in Oregon, uh, on the East Coast in Ohio and North Virginia. Then in, in Europe, we're in Ireland, and in Asia Pacific, we're in Singapore. And we're working really hard to expand this list and be available in more regions. I want to talk a little bit about pricing as well. Uh, I, th I feel that that's important. Um, we chose to make Cloud9 um, free. Uh, whether or not you're using um, uh, EC2 or, um, or connecting through SSH, the IDE itself is free. The only cost that you have is the usage of uh, infrastructure. If you're using SSH, you're, you're paying for it separately. If you're using EC2, then uh, you're, you're paying for that per, per minute or per second um, uh, based on the EC2 instances that uh, you ask Cloud9 to create for you. Um, and I think Nikolai showed you the, uh, the auto-hibernation feature that really saves a lot of cost. It terminates the EC2 instance and it starts it up for you again when you need it. Um, so we hope that this is a great solution uh, for you that fits with, um, uh, with the way that, uh, that you want to work in the future. And with that, I want to open up the floor for any questions and, uh, and answers that you might have. And I want to invite Nikolai as well to uh, help answering those. Please go ahead. Uh, I love GitHub uh, and, and the code commit, but we're using Bitbucket, self-hosted. Uh, so can we look forward to that being um, an option for us to use as our repository in the future with Cloud9? Definitely. So um, one of the features that you saw was that it's possible to create EC2 instances in a certain VPC. Uh, right now, that VPC needs to um, be open or the instance needs to be open to the public internet. Um, in the future, we want to allow um, private uh, closed-off VPCs as well, and uh, that will enable you to, uh, to VPN into any uh, private instance that you might have of a source code repository system. Okay, thank you. Uh, we're a Java shop, and uh, we were just wondering if there's, um, we know it's difficult to create a, uh, 
a Java Lambda. I was wondering, you know, with, are you going to support Maven, Gradle, or something like that? Hmm. Um, how can we use Cloud9 with Java? Yeah. Um, so originally with Cloud9, we, we wanted to be really, really good at supporting dynamic languages. And um, I think we, we achieved that, and that's definitely the strength of Cloud9 today. Um, uh, the way we've, we've built Cloud9 is uh, it allows um, um, to, be, to be extended and, um, and add new features. And so um, where we are today is definitely not where we'll, we'll be tomorrow. Um, uh, Java support for the IDE uh, today is limited to uh, syntax highlighting, um, running uh, Java applications, and, um, and, and some really basic uh, autocomplete. Um, and so uh, that's what you can do today. Um, but and, yeah, you can imagine it in the future. We'll, we'll expand that list. OK, thank you. Hi, what is the level of maturity in terms of the IDE for refactoring tools or static analysis, or is that down in the roadmap? You want to take that one? Yeah, so today Cloud9 is, is uh, very strong in dynamic languages. And so um, really sophisticated refactoring tools um, are not uh, there uh, today, though for, um, for JavaScript, for example, you have, uh, you have simple refactoring, method refactoring, um, and, and others. And, and that's something we're definitely also interested in, in, in improving a lot and, and really, really help you, um, you know, be faster in your day-to-day your, um, -day, uh, coding. How about uh, profiling? So, so um, Cloud9 profi so profi profiling with Cloud9 will be something you would have to set up yourself. I mean, ultimately, you can run anything on your, on your instance, and so you could, um, you could profile your code um, through that. Um, there's no UI profiling in the IDE today. Thank you. Um, I saw how you had the uh, highlight of the you know, syntax errors and stuff. What do, you, do you have any kind of control over um, different rules for different languages? So like in the case of PHP, you know, apply the PSR rules or something like that? So the, the way that um, so we, we, these things are based on, on linters, um, right? There's uh, on the left side of the, uh, of the line numbers in the, in the editor, um, there are uh, warnings, uh, exceptions, uh, informational messages, and so on showed. And, um, and we, uh, we adopt different linters. Some are um, uh, open source, um, others are homegrown. Uh, that we utilize to do that. Um, many of the open source projects actually allow you to include small little text files that have configuration settings. And so, uh, for instance, for PHP, I, I believe we're using an open source project where you can do that and configure it that way. Cool. Thanks. Hi. Um, when I use Cloud9 with s 2 I can only choose the instance type, correct? I can choose the EBS size. Correct. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, today, it's not possible uh, through the Cloud9 user interface to change the EBS size. However, um, there is a, a page in our documentation that shows how to do that outside of uh, Cloud9 using the AWS console. Okay. Um, so when my machine is stopped after the time that I specified, uh, will I be charged for the EBS? Yes, you will. Okay. Thank you. Hi. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see an option for uh, .NET C-sharp. So do you know when we are going to get the support for C-sharp? You want to take that? 
Um, so I think you're asking about C-sharp availability in the IDE. Yes. And I think here my answer is going to be very similar to the Java question that was there before. We really, really value the Windows platform, and we want to support that in some ways. And, yeah, that's not something that we support today. Okay. And my next question is, um, can we create a library, package it, and deploy it into Lambda, or should we work in only one file? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't fully understand the question. So, so can you have like multiple files per Lambda function, um, uh, reference that into the main um, handler, and package it, deploy it into Lambda? Right, yes, no, we, we do support um, multiple uh, Lambda functions within the same file, within uh, the same uh, package. Um, and, um, and, and of course, you know, within, uh, within a SAM project. So uh, the user interface fully supports that, and you can actually pick and choose which function you want to test in the, uh, in the invoke screen. Okay, thank you. All right. Actually, I have uh, two questions. Uh, one is when it will be possible to use it in private subnets, to have that instances in private subnets? Because so far it has to be done in the public one, yes, with opening zero 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 slash zero. Mm -hmm. um, Nick, Nicola, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so so this is something we um, uh, today we need uh, don't support yet, um, but we're definitely again interested in exactly these use cases and just understanding what are the things you're running into and where do you see bumps in you know in in the path of setting up an environment. And so um, we'll definitely take that feedback and, um, and, and put that into our prioritization. Okay, and another one is uh, that sharing between users. Uh, how does it work if you have a federation and federated users? Good, good question. Um, so federated users right now um, is not um, something that works. Um, it's, it's definitely a, a big and important use case that we're looking at. Um, for this release, we focused on adding IM users. Um, uh, however, this is definitely something that we want to support. Okay, great. Thank you. Hi. Is it also possible to debug .NET Core Lambda functions, or should we stick to Visual Studio? <laughs> Are those the only two options? Um, so um, uh, I, yes. hear you, I, I think you're a fellow Dutch person. Yes. Um, hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, we can speak <laughs> uh, No, we wouldn't want to do that to, uh, to everyone else. Um, so, um, no, dot, .NET Core is, is indeed very, very interesting. Um, uh, in, you can use it with Cloud9. You would have to uh, you know, install some of the packages uh, yourself. And indeed, again, you would lack some of the auto completion and so on. We do have syntax highlighting, and some of the basic completion will work. Um, but beyond that, indeed, um, uh, those are the limitations today. Okay, thank you. Right. Um, hi. Uh, so we've been using Cloud9 for a while now, since well before the acquisition. I'm a big fan. I'm great, really excited thanks. to see this get in integrated into AWS. I think it's a great move. Um, my question is, as the platform continues to mature under AWS's uh, oversight, can we expect to see some of, the some of those changes get merged back into the open source tool that we're currently using? Um, so um, I guess the, the question is sort of what is our strategy around, um, around the Cloud9 version that I guess is on, on GitHub, right? Yes. Right. Um, 
So that version um, has a different uh, license. It's actually uh, uh, not open source as such. Um, uh, but I know that a lot of people are, are using that just to run that on their own machine for, uh, you know, for sort of personal use, um, uh, which, which can be explained in a, in a broad way. Um, so uh, originally we, we released that uh, in order to support our, our SDK. Um, and that's something that um, currently we don't have and don't offer uh, with AWS Cloud9. But um, as, um, as AWS Cloud9 matures and, and, and grows, we'll have a strategy uh, around that uh, that will also include um, you know, the, the version that's on GitHub. Thank you. Uh, hi. Uh, saying that you have multiple users with read-write permissions to your uh, project, what does it happen if um, two or three users uh, try to modify the same piece of code at the same time? Are there any race conditions or? Uh, so uh, the short answer is no. Um, uh, we're, we're using operational transforms uh, underneath, uh, which are um, um, very good at, at dealing with, uh, with, with conflicts of, of that nature. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty impossible to, um, uh, to get a conflict of that type, but of course something like I'm editing code right there while somebody else deletes the entire contents of the file uh, you know, is still possible. The, the state will be correct, but it's probably not what you, what you want. Okay, okay, thanks. Yeah. One of your slides mentioned uh, that it was possible to use Cloud9 with a locally hosted environment. Um, could you describe that in more detail? Um, so it's not possible to use Cloud9 oh, it's not? Okay. In, in a locally I, uh, hosted environment. Um, I was looking at the slide where it, it said it was it was free if you managed your own Linux instance. So maybe I misunderstood right, that. Right. Right. So um, any computer that runs some type of POSIX uh, operating system and has an uh, SSH connection to the outside world. Uh, Cloud9 can talk to, as long as the key uh, is uh, configured on that machine. So if that happens to be your local machine that you created a port forward uh, to, then yes, you can use Cloud9 on that. Okay, so it's not required to spin up an EC2 instance to, to create a Cloud9 environment then? Correct, we, we're able to connect to any machine that has an SSH connection on the internet. Okay, thank you. All right. Hmm. Thank you for the presentation. Um, when you're spinning up an EC2 for the environment, is it strictly on demand or can you use spot instances? There's the instances that, that we create are, are on demand. Um, however, if you use the SSH feature again, you could uh, create a spot instance yourself and, and connect to that. Okay, thanks. Hi, uh, I have a quick question. Um, does it support integration with the enterprise GitHub? Um, I guess this is a similar question to the, to the question about uh, a Bitbucket uh, before. Now, um, Cloud9 is capable of uh, cloning from uh, any Git URL anywhere as long as it can reach the host. Um, so that, that last part is, is, is the issue. How do you reach that host? You either make it available um, um, uh, you know, on the public internet, which is probably not what you want. And this is why we're so, uh, so interested in adding support for private VPCs, so that becomes a lot easier. Awesome, so do you have that in the roadmap? We, we have that on the roadmap, yes. Awesome, thank yeah. you. All right. 
Hi guys, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, I just had a question around deploying Lambda functions. I noticed that when you build your uh, Cloud9 instance, is that locked to that region? So if I'm deploying an, uh, a new Lambda function, do I have to create another instance in another region if I want to deploy a function there? No, so you can, you can specify the region um, of the Lambda function you want to deploy to in the settings of Cloud9. And so it's not tied to the instance you're actually creating. Um, so you can deploy to any region. Uh, excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, does Cloud9 have any merge tools built in um, for, you know, dealing with merge conflicts and the like that we all enjoy so much? <laughs> um, yeah, they're great. Um, yes, we do. So um, we support the, uh, uh, so the, the, the diff format, the, the merge diff format. And so when that is opened and detected, there's actually a UI that allows you to very easily go over those uh, diffs and, uh, and, and either merge them or not and so on. Yeah. Uh, I have seen during the demo that you have uh, run some code in PHP 5.6. I have seen Java. How do you manage the versioning of all the language and can we switch from one version to another easily? So your question is how to switch easily from uh, one uh, version of, uh, was it PHP? Or, or Java, Java or whatever the language. Yeah. I have seen Ruby as well. So, so I mean, I, I guess it depends really on, on, the, um, on, the, on the work you're doing. I think often it's really, really nice to just create a new environment. So if the, you know, if the switch of version is because you want to support or you want to use a different version for a different project, then I would definitely just create a new environment because that's your isolated stack. Um, if you want to actually switch the version in your environment, then you would use something like NVM for Node or RVM for Ruby. Um, so but really powerful is the environment as an as a isolated... Uh, all those packages are installed on the EC2 instance. So we're using Amazon Linux, and you would have to install um, dependencies you need. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Hi. <clears throat> Talking about debug, I saw that... Uh, is it guaranteed that the output or the resource used of the container spinned up in the local environment is the same of the one we are using in production, and if so, if that's the reason that there is no debugger on the also remote side? So, um, <clears throat> the, the local environment in which the Lambda functions execute and the API gateway uh, is executed is indeed um, matching uh, fully uh, the production environment of Lambda especially because we're using the same operating system and all the same dependency versions and so on, it's exactly identical. Um, the, if you're uh, executing code locally, uh, then we can debug because we can actually control that um, in an easy way. You can imagine that doing that um, on a Lambda function that's uploaded is, is, is much, uh, much harder and something that's currently uh, not supported by the, by the Lambda uh, service. And so that's why we're doing that locally. Okay, thanks. Um, I was just curious about support for TypeScript. We have decent support for TypeScript, actually. Um, we support uh, a lot of the different TypeScript uh, modules for auto-completion and so on. Um, if you look in the settings, there's just a bunch of them. Uh, so we're supporting many, many different libraries and so on. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and auto-completion and, and all that is, um, is up to spec uh, as well. Uh, is that just editing, or do you support the compilation to JavaScript and then debugging with source mapping? 
back to the TypeScript code and. Yeah, um, so source mapping is something that uh, that we don't um, that we don't support today. Um, the uh, the running of TypeScript. Um, so I'm blanking right now whether or not we have a default runner um, in in Cloud9. Um, if if we don't have that, then creating that is is very very easy. I, uh, just a quick question about the ability to clone environments. So if I have an entire environment set up, I have a new developer start, and I want I don't want to share my environment. I just want the ability to give them sort of a duplicate copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to do that today, and there's actually a, a documentation article about this, um, you would essentially uh, clone your EC2 instance and connect to it uh, over SSH. Um, that's not the, the best way that we would like to see it. Um, uh, in the future, uh, what we would like is for somebody to actually create an, uh, an AMI and use that to create new environments. So that's something that, that is on our roadmap as well. Excellent. And just one more question since I seem to be last. Yeah. Um, what plans do you have for sort of integrated Git? Uh, well, it doesn't have to be GitHub, but sort of Git tools within the system. Um, do you mean a, a, a user interface? Yeah, so the opportunity to see sort of what files have changed, et cetera. Some of the other code editors, you'd have that as a pretty standard thing to see, you know, these files changed or these particular lines have been modified, that kind of thing, and then the ability to uh, sort of compile together a, a commit. Right. Yeah, so uh, today we don't have that, uh, that feature, um, but it's, um, um, you know, and there's there's a lot of stuff that um, that we could work on, and um, um, yeah, that's just not something that we've gotten around to. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the product. All right, thank you. Uh, what about step functions? Will you support that in future? You want to take? I think I don't know what step functions are in this case. It's the, the what you support. That's the kind of when you build this kind of state machine in on WSO2. Mm. Okay. I mean, um, so I'm unfamiliar with that, and so it's hard for me to to talk about that right now. I don't know what the requirements would be, and whether or not it would require a separate plugin or something like that. So I'd have to look into that. But again, you have—I mean—you have access to the CLI, and, um, and and so therefore you're you're very likely to be able to pull them and then work with them. Yeah. Um, I had a question about whether you could use it on a ECS container. I'd imagine you could if it was exposing port 22 and you get SSH to it. Is that? It would be no different than a. Right. The, yeah, the moment that you can SSH to a container, uh, you'd be able to use it. Um, otherwise, uh, at this point, uh, it's not possible. Okay. Uh, but you can run Docker inside uh, your EC2 instance. Okay. Is there any Docker integration, or you know, or is that just kind of you're on your own with command line? Uh, well, Docker is pre-installed on the EC2 instance. So, so that makes it relatively uh, simple to, to get started, but we don't have any uh, special pl plugins for that right now. Okay. Thank you. Do you have any plans to uh, create like templates for the environment setups? Um, 
Yeah, I think this, this, this relates to it's sort of the same question as the, as the AMI one. Um, and I think the, the, the answer is, is related, that uh, that would indeed enable that type of functionality. Okay, so if we wanted to like create a template for all our developers and then just use that as the, the template of their um, environment when they go to spin it up, the way we would do that was would just be create the base image as an AMI and then they would launch launch it and then go through SSH. Yep. Uh, well, <coughs> uh, today yes. Um, uh, I think in in the future we would like to see that uh, in a different flow. But yeah. cool. Thanks. All right. All right. I think we're out of time. So thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>